Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. The nice thing about preaching is that the pre-service prayer, thank you, Sean, already preached my message. And then every worship song preached my message. So... Um, so it's basically Isaiah 61, and let's do it. <laughs> Which I did tell Francis, and I didn't. That's not how this is going to work. <laughs> so in Matthew 22, there's this really, really, really bizarre story. And Jesus was known for quite a lot of bizarre stories. But that's how he spoke. He spoke in, in stories. Ma- um, the message version tells us that it's stories. So let's look at it from verse 1. Jesus responded by telling still more stories. God's kingdom, he said, is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out servants to call in all the invited guests, and they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the guests, look, everything is on the table, the prime rib is ready for carving, come to the feast. They only shrugged their shoulders and went off, one to weed his garden, another to work in his shop. The rest, with nothing better to do, I mean, wow, We we watch series when we have nothing better to do. They beat up on the messengers and then killed them. The king was outraged and sent his soldiers, there we go, his shoulders, his soldiers to destroy those thugs and level their city. Then he told his servants, we have a wedding banquet all prepared but no guests. The ones I invited weren't up to it. Go out into the busiest intersections in town and invite everyone you find to the banquet. The servants went out of the streets and rounded up everyone they laid eyes on, good and bad, regardless. And so the banquet was on, and every place filled. Verse 11, when the king entered and looked over the scene, he spotted a man who wasn't properly dressed. He said to him, friend, how dare you come in here looking like that? The man was speechless. Then the king told his servants, get him out of here, fast. Tie him up and ship him to hell and make sure he doesn't get back in. Bizarre. Verse 14 says, and this is Jesus speaking, that's what I mean when I say many get invited and only a few make it. Have you ever gotten the wrong dress code memo? Whether to an event or a wedding or a birthday party or a dinner or a bride. What an embarrassment. Imagine someone calls you out and asks, how dare you come in here looking like that? The dress code is formal and you arrive on smart casual, which I believe means dressed up jeans. Or the dress code is smart casual and you arrive in your evening gown or suit. Or at a swimming party, which you didn't know, and you have an evening gown or a suit. The other day, we were invited to Pretoria for a braai. It's the first time being invited to these people's house. And firstly, 
We went straight off to church, so dressed in long black dress, which is not, it's not the church's dress code. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. That's my dress code. Um, so we went straight off to church, and I'm like, it's fine, that's a braai, I'll be fine. Also, firstly, Pretoria, 10 degrees hotter. Secondly, the braai was next to a dam in the sun with said long black dress. And so I missed that memo for a Pretoria braai. Anyways, the point of Matthew 22, the bizarreness of it, was Jesus using this picture of the people that were invited firstly were the Jews. They had better things to do. The killings were, the, were possibly that of the prophets that said and spoke of Jesus' coming. And then he invites everyone else, which is us, the Gentiles. We get invited to be part of this banquet. And the guy, not dressed appropriately, could refer to someone that is lukewarm. Our mandate as Venture Church comes from Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3, and I'll be reading it from the New Living Translation. And a mandate is something that, why are we here as Venture Church? What is our purpose in Fairlands, in Johannesburg, at this time as a church, as Venture Church? And so... The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel a joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. And so Jesus reads this Isaiah scroll in Luke 4, and he rolls it up, hands it back, and he says, Today in your presence, this scripture has been fulfilled. Which means Jesus is this person Isaiah was speaking about long before Jesus was on the picture on the earth picture. I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home, which I know not a lot of, like Michael got saved at 17. And he's the black sheep in his family because he's the Christian. But in my Christian home, I had this privilege. My parents got saved when I was one years old. But in this Christian home, there was verbal abuse, rejection, infidelities, alcohol abuse, drug addiction, suicides, and narcissism was one of the things that we were exposed to often. I didn't cause or participate in any of these things, but I was like a victim to them. But these circumstances definitely caused severe brokenness. And brokenness, which I had to deal with as an adult, and obviously, I have Jesus, and I could deal with these things with his healing power. And this, this, my life, is a reality for many people. And whether it's current circumstances, or whether it's things that happened in our past, or things growing up, which as a child you have no say about. It's unfair. There's no justice there. 
But the Lord gives us this opportunity, and Jesus reminds us that He has come to heal us. And so, friend, today, where you are, where you're hurting, in your circumstances, I want to remind you that Jesus sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. And He can heal you. The Lord's favor has come. On the other hand, sometimes in our Christianity, we can walk around thinking that we have no brokenness. We have no problems, and we are as free as a bird. When in reality, yes, salvation, thanks to Jesus, does give us a new cloak. We get into the banquet, but this, this cloak gets us into eternal life. The person wearing the cloak is still the same person. We can look at others and think their poverty of not knowing the good news and their brokenness and their imprisonment and their captivity and their loss and hurt is just that. It's their problem because I'm fine. When in actual fact, without Jesus, we are all actually just as poor, just as broken, we are still slaves, still coated in mourning and living in despair. So when Jesus has called Venture Church to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free, the oil of joy for those in mourning, we can do this because we know exactly what Jesus has done for us and where we would be if it wasn't for Jesus. And at the same time, without intentionality with Jesus, walking out his healing and wholeness, we would continue to be the same poor, brokenhearted, and imprisoned people with eternal life at the end. But even like Nadine said, there is more for us. Life with Jesus and his fullness for us starts at salvation, but it doesn't end there. Jesus has so much more for us. We have to replace our old outfits with these new, glorious outfits for the banquet. Ephesians 4 from verse 21 to 24 in the New Living Translation says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The message version puts it like this. That's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Jesus walking the earth was already that person. He was already in the Father, the Father in him. He had all of this stuff together even though he walked as man. And that is what we aim for. It's sanctification. 
we have been sanctified through accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and are being sanctified as we continue to pursue holiness daily. The objective of every believer should be to hastily pursue holiness. It demonstrates the urgency to be emptied out of anything that impairs against being a useful vessel for God's glory. And God wants to use us. What a privilege, friends. There's the scripture in Revelation 3 where Jesus is speaking and he is not mincing his words. So this is his words, not mine. Bear with. From verse 15 in Revelation 13. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, an ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct, Jesus says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. That is a hard scripture. It's harsh. It sounds harsh. The same as, how dare you look like that coming here? It's harsh. And yet Jesus loves. He loves us. And because he loves us, there's discipline. When we are actively seeking to know Jesus and to make him known, because that is the commission from Matthew 28, verse 28 to 30, then we are to actively and continuously be oaks of righteousness, which means to be deeply rooted in Jesus, to be dependable, to be robust in righteousness and justice. It means that our thoughts and feelings and behaviors line up with Jesus. When we get squeezed through circumstances and people, Jesus comes out. Sean said in the pre-service prayer about seeping. Do we seep the Holy Spirit? Do we seep Jesus? Last week, I was church planters. And if ever you do have the opportunity, it's every year, every believer should go. Whether you're going to plant a church or not, it just reminds us why we believe in Jesus. It's really cool. But there was this guy, Darian, from California, and he shared this really cool picture, and he made this statement, and he said, when I see a believer walking, is there fruit falling from them? And so now in my picture mind, I'm like, oh, there's, a, there's Francis, and he drops a banana. <laughs> and there's Sean with his oranges, like oranges for everyone. <laughs> And when Nadine leaves, there's strawberries left behind. But it's referring to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not just random fruit that we drop. Because it's, I mean, I'm sure the Lord can make it happen, but it hasn't. But do we, do we drop love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness where we go? Is that what is left behind where we've been? Is that what comes out when we're squeezed and facing tough circumstances? God has anointed Venture Church to be full of His Holy Spirit. 
to be the bearers of the Father's good news, to bring Jesus' healing and freedom to everyone we meet, to comfort those who have no hope with the love of God's redemptive truth, to turn despair into worship and celebration, to be unmovable from goodness and be dependable like oaks, to honor him with our lives so the world can see his splendor. So Jesus is calling us to play this role as his church. But he also wants to do all of these things in our lives. And the thing about life with Jesus is that it was never meant as just an aside. Here we have our main life, our steak, or if you, your prime rib, or chickpeas, <laughs> our main course, our life, our family, our jobs, our holidays, with a bit of fruit salad on the side. Here we have a bit of Jesus on the side, maybe Sunday mornings, maybe midweek. We tick our salvation box, our doing good here and there. We tick our church box every now and again and connect crew box. And then we carry on with our lives. When the fact remains, we never get Jesus without his mission. And friends, this is something we need to grab hold of because life doesn't just stop at salvation. There is so much more that the Lord has for us and he wants to use us in. We get Jesus plus his mission. It's our lives plus our jobs plus our families plus church plus Jesus' mission all in one. And who knows or can imagine all Jesus can do with our lives when we relinquish control and our thoughts and ideas and our plans and we say, yes, Lord, use me, send me. Just imagine all he can do for others through our lives when we say, yes, Lord, use me. My personality is not one that likes to be used. I don't like to be out there. I like to hide behind my client and let them be in the mirror because I'm a hairdresser. That's what I do. I can hide behind the client, make them pretty, and go on with my life. But in that, the Lord uses us despite our personalities, despite our quietness, despite our reservedness. The Lord uses us because his mission is much bigger than just little Yulandi's insecurities. And it's just phenomenal that he wants to use us, that he is calling us to do these things as his church. And Jesus even thought of this already when he walked the earth and he prayed this prayer in John 17. He already prepared us 2,000 years later for this mission from verse, 20, uh, from verse 13. It's Jesus praying to the Father, and he says, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things when I was with them in this world, so that they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. We even sang about it, God's word, his truth. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus already knew we would have challenges with said evil one. 
They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world believe you sent me. The title of today's message is how do we bring Jesus' healing and freedom to everyone we meet? If you've been taking notes and you've participated in worship, I'm sure you have an idea of how we're going to do this. We are hot rather than lukewarm for Jesus. We carry Jesus, we know him, and we make him known. We drop his fruit wherever we go. We leave his fragrance behind. We point people to Jesus. He is the only one who heals, and he is the only one that can restore. We know it. We've lived it. We get to live it every single day, and we get to share that with others. We encourage others to know his truth, to meditate on his truth, to live his truth, and to listen to his voice. Like Nadine said in her word that we have to be obedient. We have to listen if the Lord is giving a different strategy. We have to listen if you're saying, no, not left, go right. But we get to play that part for people and for others to say, hey, have you asked the Lord? Have you listened to what the Lord is saying? Hey, I think you're being a little stubborn. <laughs> the true friend stabs in the front. And we need each other for that. So here's some questions about healing. And it's for us to realize how this works. Because sometimes we might have warped ideas of how the Lord should work. If we put in our dime, is he going to answer my prayer? Yes. Because that's all I, I just want to hear, yes. But the Lord knows better. He knows how to answer us. He knows what to do. He knows the plans and purposes. He knows our future. He knows way more than we can ever imagine. Did Jesus heal everyone? No. Can Jesus heal everyone? Yes. Is it our worry to know why or why not he heals or doesn't heal? I know we make it our worry but it's not our worry. Should we still trust Jesus? Should we still believe that he can? Should we lose faith and hope when Jesus didn't do what we asked for? But we like to, but we shouldn't. Should we still pray big prayers? Should we trust that the Lord of the universe knows what he's doing? Does God remain good? Are we anointed and called? 
Are we called to bring good news to the poor? Has Jesus sent us to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free and the prisoners free? Melinda, when you say yes. <laughs> to comfort all who mourn. Are we called to honor Jesus with our lives so the world can see his splendor? Yes. James 3 verse 17 to 18 in the message version says this. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. And this is in church, this is in the world, this is at tomorrow morning at work, it's in the car on your way to work. It is gentle and reasonable, this is real wisdom, is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. And so, friends, it's so good that we answered yes to those things and no to the necessary things. What does this mean for tomorrow morning? What does this mean for when we step out of our house? Because I'm only going to leave the house late because it's our off day. <laughs> so Tuesday, I'll apply this. But what does this mean for most people the next day, tomorrow morning, as we start our week? What does this mean for us that we, that Jesus is calling us to take his healing into the world, into tomorrow, for the brokenhearted? How does that look? How do we work this out? We keep trusting for Jesus' healing and freedom in us. Michael's has been a two-year journey. Simone's was a year's journey that she gave a testimony a few weeks ago about the Lord healing her from despair. And it was... She had the right to be in despair because of the stuff that she faced. And there is circumstances and there's stuff that happens, but Jesus can still heal us from that. He can still take us out of it. It means that we live deeply rooted in Jesus and our communities because it encourages us, even the worship songs, it encourages us to continue to look to him, to continue to remember that he heals. That when there is someone that lost their spouse at work, we get to know that, hey, I know this is so hard and it makes no sense and we're saying God is good and this doesn't look good but I know that the Lord can carry you. It's Francis stepping out of gym, praying for someone for healing. It's being aware tomorrow when we, where we are, to be aware of what is happening around us, to look at others and to know that Jesus can use me to heal those as he has healed us. We look for those opportunities. Even if we are shy and scared and sweating profusely because it's very scary. <laughs> Pray for a random. We overflow with mercy and grace for those around us. And we treat others with dignity and honor. And this is what Jesus wants to do for us, friends. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us. We have also been anointed 
to bring the good news to the poor. He is sending us to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus is sending us to comfort the brokenhearted. Oh, I've already said that. He's also sending us to, be, to release the captives and to free prisoners. And it might be actual prisoners, but it might also be prisoners to addiction, prisoners to... To who knows. He has sent us to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he wants to use us to bring the festive praise instead of despair to people's lives. We are called friends, we are anointed. So let's stand. I'm going to pray for us, but then we are going to do some ministry. Because it starts with us, and the Lord wants to use us. And I feel that the Lord wants to bring fresh revelation of Jesus to people's lives this morning. A fresh revelation of Jesus to be hot for him. And secondly, healing for the brokenhearted, healing from addiction, and healing from despair. And so if that is you, please come forward. Jesus is in this business of healing. I thank you, Jesus, for... We are going to minister to you guys, so don't go anywhere yet. I thank you, Father, that, that you have anointed us. You have anointed Venture Church to bring healing and freedom to those around us. I thank you, Jesus, that you are empowering us and I thank you, Jesus, that, that you use us. I thank you, Jesus, for your healing in our lives. And I thank you that we can throw around your fruit and leave your fruit where we go. I thank you, Jesus, for your mission to love those around us through us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have called Venture Church to this incredible opportunity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.